So what's the difference between Christianity and every other religion on the face of the, face of the planet? And after debating the whole day, C.S. Lewis came walking in and simply said, well, it's very simple. It's grace. Because every other religion says you need to work for your own salvation. You need to work for your own merit as it is. And you need to, um, to, to really earn uh, God's forgiveness. You need to earn God's acceptance. But God says, no, it is by grace you have been saved, as we've, um, we've seen in, in, in also in the book specifically of Ephesians. And what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to, in the next 25 minutes, just share with you my own journey of, of walking in grace. And I've been a Christian for almost 27, 28 years now since I've been born again. Now, if you do the maths, I'm not 28 years old. I'm actually turning 42 in a month's time. And, uh, but on my whole journey since I was born again at the age of 14, it was grace that shaped me, that's changed me, and that has defined who I am. And I want to take you on, on five encounters with grace that I've had through my life, five encounters. And I'm going to share with you some of my story and then one or two scriptures that God has really in that time used in my life to, um, to really change me and to, to, to really um, transform me. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. You know everybody watching online, everybody at the venue. You know what they need tonight. They need a touch of your grace, maybe a revelation of your grace, a confirmation of your grace. And I pray that even just through my own story, that's definitely not a perfect story, but that's, that's, that's um, a grace story. Father, I pray that you would minister to people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I'm going to start with the first encounter. It was the year 1998 in a little town called Kalidon in, in the Western Cape. Maybe some of you know this. Maybe some of you come from there, but a beautiful town. And um, I was just starting off in ministry. Like I said, I was born again in 1994. Um, I was born again on, on a Christian camp when somebody shared the gospel with me when I was 14 years old. But three months before that Christian camp, a real Christian camp, I was on a different Christian camp that I thought was a Christian camp, but was not. Because the first stop um, towards that camp was the bottle store. And yes, first time I really got drunk and the first time I slept with a lady. And um, I was uh, I literally, I was 14 years old or not even 14 years old at that point. I think I was 13 or no, I was 14. And, um, and, and basically, um, I, I, th I thought my life was over because I've always been a golden boy. I was a head boy in the primary school, um, high school, and I came out of a good family. And here I was, and I, 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 I'm just messed up. And then by the grace of God, God um, touched me after I messed up on that first camp, on a second camp, 28 September 1994. I was born again. By the grace of God. Now, fast forward four years later, and I was joining a ministry full time, a performing arts ministry, and we were we were ministry in Kalidon. And I remember um, doing quiet time. At that point, I was memorizing a lot of scripture, and this was the scripture that God spoke to me. I memorized it. I'm just giving you a snippet of it. It's out of Titus two, verse eleven to twelve, and here's the snippet of that. It said, "For the grace of God has appeared." that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. 
What an incredible scripture on grace. And you probably, if you've been through a one-to-one in a connect group, you'll know that this is in our connect group chapter on grace. At that point, of course, there was no one-to-one. I didn't know anything about every nation. But God spoke to me as a young man, 19 years old, at that point struggling with a lot of stuff in my life, with a lot of sin, especially the sin of pornography. And uh, I, was, I was in the clutches of that sin, and I couldn't get out of it. And I was really honest in my walk with Jesus, but I just couldn't get free. And, and somehow, as I read this, that grace appeared, and grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to say no to the bad things and to say yes to the right things, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, not just one day in heaven. It will be easy in heaven because there will be no sin. But surely victory should be possible for us here. Now, as I mentioned, I was saved by grace. But this was not just that grace saved me. This was grace giving me the hope to empower me to stop sinning. And maybe that's you tonight, that that you need to hear that grace is available not only to save you, but to actually give you the the grace and the opportunity and the power to stop sinning. Now, I was at that point 19 years old, and unfortunately, I couldn't beat my porn addiction at that point. But but the seed was planted for the grace of God. And I'll get back to to victory, because victory is possible and grace opened up that for me now that same year um for the very first time i i, I had a, a a slight encounter with 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 a mild form of anxiety and actually depression after a breakup that i had with a girl and and that started and kick-started a 15-year journey struggle whatever you want to call it with depression that i'll in a moment's time share that by the grace of God, I really overcame in my life. But that was the first time where it started. And uh, maybe that's you even tonight. And you're watching this, you're listening, and you're like, well, can I ever um, be free? Can I ever live in victory? Um, so this, this 1998 encounter that I had with this scripture on grace, um, fast forward um, four years I entered into another ministry. I was called to Potchefstroom, and that's in Potchefstroom, 2002. And uh, I joined a different ministry there where I started to study theology. And I actually also studied, uh, no, no, I didn't study. I I led a church there, a student campus church, loved students, was ministering amongst students for many years. And um, and we started a, a, a campus ministry on Potch. And maybe some of you were there maybe many years later. It was called Christpunt. And in the year 2002, we started that ministry with a lot of success. And I was uh, leading worship. I was preaching. I loved it. I loved how God used me. And then one evening in my quiet time, I was, I was, I kind of had a vision or a picture. I'm not sure exactly how to call it, but it was a very vivid, vivid picture. I, I saw Hillbrow, Hillbrow in Johannesburg. And I was watching down on Hillbrow, and there was a young man lying on the street. And just intuitively, I knew he was a male prostitute. He was using drugs. He was beaten. He was broken down. He was hard on luck. Nothing worked out. No healthy relationships. He was just desolate. He was alone. And as I zoomed in on the picture, I suddenly saw there was me. 
and I, and I saw this broken version of Retief Berger. And suddenly I saw the version I was living, um, and that I was living, ministering, had good friendships, good relationships, etc., etc. And And suddenly I heard the father ask me, so Retief, what is the difference between this Retief version of you lying in your brow, broken, full of sin and hurting, versus this other picture of you right now? And man, I had my answers ready. I was kind of going for it, like, Lord, well, I'm, I'm obedient to your word. I came out of a good family. And, and every time when I said something, God says, okay, who gave you the family? Um, it gives you the ability to obey me. Um, the choices that you've made that I said, well, I made good choices. That's why I'm where I am at. And he said, well, who gave you the ability to make those choices? And after every question or, th- or argument that I threw at myself, there was a moment where I just knew that God said, if it's not by grace, you would have been that person. And wow, friends, that was a big wake-up call for me. Um, and then this version or the scripture out of the um, ESV version came to me, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, where Paul utters these incredible words where he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. Wow. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And I can still testify of that. 26 years later, um, serving Jesus. That it's not about me. It's not what, what I can do. Even the choices I've made. Even me obeying you know what? Grace even empowers me to say no to ungodliness. Grace even it gives me the ability to stop sinning, to say yes to the right things. It is by the grace and the power of God alone. And therefore, we have nothing to boast in. That's why when, when people would say things like, oh, you are humble or you are this or you are, I'm like, well, how can we live differently? Because humility isn't optional for a Christian because we know that we are saved by grace. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And don't think I get this always right. I have a lot of pride in my life. Ask my wife, (laughs) ask my kids, um, ask my colleagues. Because this I, this stiff-necked I, don't want to die. The unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. And that's why I love family. I love church. I love being in relationships where I'm challenged to keep on saying that it's all by the grace of God. Fast forward um, eight years later with the struggle of, of pornography still in my life, the struggle of, of depression coming and going every time I'm especially triggered by a relationship breakup. And that was my big trigger. Later on in my life, I would actually realize that it's not about the relationships being broken. It was actually a deep-rooted perfectionism in my life where I try to be perfect. And this is the one area in my life where, I, where there wasn't success, where I was messing it up, where I was hurting other ladies and I was, hurting, I was hurting people. And I couldn't be perfect. And the biggest fear for a perfectionist is that you will be found out that you have mistakes. <laughs> now, that sounds terrible, but... I, Speaking to all the perfectionists online and those in the room right now, you know that fear of rejection when you make a mistake. And that was driving me. 
And every time I made a mistake, I would go into depression and deeper and deeper and deeper. And in 2010, I found myself in the Fish River Canyon doing uh, the five-day hike there. Um, and, and I was at a total breakdown, emotional breakdown, just had a breakup again, couldn't get over it, couldn't forgive myself, was beating myself up. And I was, I was literally a skeleton of a man, even physically. I lost so much weight. I was just at a, such a bad place. And yet, in the midst of all of that, between 2002 and 2010, God was using me in ministry. That was actually the peak of my music ministry, my worship ministry all across the country. And that also showed the grace of God at work. Even in my deepest struggles, even in my deepest a brokenness God was using me. Well, I was I was literally pitching for a one-to-one. I would take out my one-to-one booklet, and at that point, I was already part of every nation. And I would minister to people faith in my connect groups, and I didn't have any faith myself because I was so deep in depression. And yet, I just pitched up, I showed up, and I spoke the truth because I knew it was the truth, even though I didn't experience or feel it. And God still used me. But here in the Fish River Canyon, um. After, after another massive breakdown thing and, and, and really hitting rock bottom, um, my world was really shaken. And, and I didn't know how God could still use me. I didn't have any hope for the future. Man, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. Maybe in the background right now, you've heard some kids screaming, that's mine. Um, <laughs> my, my, my beautiful wife sorting them out for the evening. But at that point, I didn't have any of that. And it felt like all hope was lost because I've messed up too much. And then deep in that Fish River Canyon, almost like in, in my valley of desolation, my valley of trouble, God spoke to me this very famous scripture out of the book of 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul is reciting and speaking about his challenges. He is what we call the thorn in the flesh. And verse 7 says the following, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, it's revelations that he found, he had visions of God. Man, he was right there in the seventh heaven, actually. It says then, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. That basically means puffed up and prideful now. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I and strong. I remember as a young man, or I, I, just starting ministry, I always said, Lord, I want the power of Christ on me. I want the power of Christ on me. Lord, use me powerfully and mightily in your kingdom. And then he showed me the scripture. And I'm just going to read this again. Verse 9 said, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses so that what? The power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, wow. We want the power of Christ. We want to be used in ministry. We want to pray for people that get healed. We want the demons to flee and the power, the power. And then actually God showed me that if you want the power, you need to know that in your weakness, He is strong. And maybe tonight you need to hear that as well. 
maybe you're weak, maybe this COVID thing, this third wave, maybe it's families and parents and siblings and friends that's being stricken, maybe even people passing on and not surviving COVID and you feel weak, you feel broken, you feel tired, you feel weak. God says, it's okay, because in your weakness, I can be strong for you. My grace is still enough for you. Nobody knows what this thorn in the flesh of Paul was. And I love the fact that God didn't reveal it. Much speculation. But it makes me be able to identify. Because my thorn was my depression. My um, proneness to to perfectionism and, and beating myself up and all these insecurities that came from that. What is your thorn? What is that thing? I'm not saying it's an excuse for sin because my pawn wasn't my thorn, okay? That's not a thorn. That's a sin. You need to deal with that. God is going to get it out of your life. He wants to give you the grace to overcome that. But that thorn, it might be a person, it might be an infirmity, it might be a weakness in your life, it might be something that you just wish God, it might be even your singleness, Lord, just take this away. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Fast forward three years later, and this was the highlight in 2013 of my depression was, or, or my struggle with depression, where, where I literally um, heard um, maybe or, or, or feeling that 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 this is the end this is this is it for me now so i'm just going to light myself up a bit here because i see that um, um the uh, of course um, the sun is not here with us anymore my natural lightning is gone so i'm going for uh, some artificial light so 2013 the light went out for me <laughs> i ended up in hospital and not a normal hospital uh, i had a massive um um, breakdown um, uh, physically, emotionally. It was the. It was. I thought it was the end. Um, I, I was again triggered by a breakup, and that was actually with my now wife, Isabel. Wow! And I ended up in hospital, and um, and 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 that was it. I had to step away from ministry. I had to hand over the Lin, the Linwood congregation that I was leading at that point, and. Um, it was tough, friends. I could just say it was it was really tough. And um, I was there for two weeks in the hospital. And when I came out, um, I had to, of course, see psychiatrists and um, psychologists and people to really help me. And this, of course, was at the end now of a 15-year journey of, of depression. And I remember beating myself up, hating myself, wanted to almost take my life and I was sitting in a parking lot in Pretoria in 2013, just off Solomon Mashlangu, near the Dross there, near the N4, um, just outside the office or, or, yeah, just the consultation room of my psychologist. And I was praying and I was seeking God. And I had a grace encounter. I had a gospel encounter. That's all that I can describe it. And this scripture came to mind John 1 verse 17 for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and the revelation there was that God wanted to give me grace in this specific area and at that point it was still the perfectionism it was still my struggle with pornography and all of that and 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 God said I want to give you grace but I first want you to face the truth 
Remember, truth and grace came through, through Jesus Christ. Now, that's just what we said now. Truth and grace came through Jesus. But I didn't want to face the truth about myself. You know, I believe that when truth with a small letter, the truth about ourselves, the, the basically the, the ugliness of our own sinfulness, when we are, we are confronted with that, when the little truth meets truth with a capital letter, Jesus, that's when true transformation can happen. And I had to literally face myself in that parking lot. Because remember, as a perfectionist, I tried to hide my sin. I tried to hide this, the struggle that I had with porn and with perfectionism and all these things. Because I didn't want to be caught out as somebody that's weak. and Because I didn't want to face rejection. But God said, I want you to see your sin and now I want you to come running to me because I have all the grace for you. And friends, that's maybe you tonight. That you don't want to own up. You don't want to face yourself really. Because it hurts. Nobody likes to see the truth. We know, all know that scripture, the truth will set you free. But in our house, we have another little slogan. The truth will set you free, but first it will tick you off. Because none of us likes to hear the truth about ourselves. It's not nice to be confronted with your own sin. In the words of, of Timothy Keller, where it says, the gospel is this, the gospel, the good news is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. It's this Two sides of the same coin. First, you need to face yourself, friend. You need to face your own sinfulness. And I had to do that in that parking lot. <sighs> you know what? When I saw that, when I came clean, when I said, Jesus, I cannot save myself. I really need saving from this thing. The grace of God came flooding in. Titus 2 verse 11 and 12 came rushing through my heart. That grace that teaches me to say no to ungodliness, to this struggle in my life, to, to the sin of perfectionism. And just again, I just want to say this. I believe perfectionism is a sin. Excellence is something totally different. Perfectionism is you trying to be like God because only God can be perfect. That is a burden that you're not supposed to carry. You cannot be perfect. Adam and Eve wanted to be perfect in the garden. They wanted to be like God. That was the great temptation that was given to them. We're never meant to be perfect. In Christ, He perfects us and He makes us more like Jesus. And therefore, when I confronted that sin in my life and that pridefulness of thinking, I don't have issues, I'm okay, and this porn thing, I'll sort it out. After 20 years of trying to win that battle, I couldn't. And I just surrendered. I came clean. I said sorry. I owned up. And then truth and grace came rushing in. And the gospel changed me. Maybe it's time for you. Maybe you're online. And maybe you're sitting there right now. And you need to come clean. You need to, to listen. Maybe some people that really love you have tried to tell you you have a blind spot. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe a friend, maybe a connect group leader, maybe Yaku or one of the elders at the church. And you've just been resisting that truth because you don't like to, to see that in yourself. It's okay. It's okay to be confronted with that. It's okay to see that. 
Because then there's grace. Would you embrace grace tonight? I'm going to pray for you in a moment's time, but I want to take you to my last encounter. And that encounter is tonight on this Zoom call in Pretoria 2021. Started in 1998, but here we are tonight. And um, I'm, a, I'm a COVID survivor. Um, um, two weeks ago, I, I was stricken with this terrible disease. My whole family, my wife only, only came out of it literally today was the first time that a fever broke in eight days. All my three children had it, and it was tough. And last week I had to preach uh, online in the midst of COVID. And I was preaching and um, I preached out of the book of Philippians. And I want to just show you this one scripture out of Philippians. This one, uh, one verse 67. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you. All the Philippian church is writing to you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Partakers of grace. Okay. Partners in grace. And now he's going to say what the grace is. Listen to this. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. It's amazing, friends, that he says that you are partners in grace with the gospel, but also partners in grace with his imprisonment. Now grace can come in the form of an imprisonment. For Paul, it was him being in, stuck in a Roman prison and counting it all joy. I don't know what your prison is tonight, but sometimes it's the stuff that we would love to have out of our lives that God says, I'm actually giving you grace in that moment. And if you read this whole passage further on, Paul said it was grace because it was used as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Don't wish away your circumstances currently, no matter how dismal it might look. That's what I had to learn in this COVID time. Um, that even this imprisonment of being imprisoned in my own house, keep on sharing the gospel, using it as an opportunity to minister hope to other people. Maybe you don't have COVID, and I pray that you don't get it. Please don't. But whatever else might be in your life, may you embrace whatever you have now as even the hidden grace of God on your life to give you a platform to advance His kingdom, that you can be a partaker of grace and a partner in the gospel. Friends, this is my story. It's not a perfect story, but it is a graced story. And, and I can just encourage you tonight, as I'm going to pray for you right now, that God will touch you. Um, maybe you have, like I had for such a long time, depression or anxiety or, or hopelessness. Maybe you're struggling with perfectionism. Maybe you're struggling with pornography. Maybe it's like me and my wife. We were single for a very long time in our life. It was a tough season for us. It was really a tough season. It wasn't easy. But even in that, maybe it feels like an imprisonment for you that God can give you grace. Maybe tonight you have a truth encounter with yourself where you need to own up and say, Jesus, I need your grace. In a moment's time, Jan will be ministering communion to, to all of you as well. But first, I want to pray. The Spirit will touch you in this moment and give you grace in every area that you need it. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit, we we need you. Holy Spirit, we are we are desperate just for a for a touch of you. I pray for everybody sitting right now as I stretch forth my hands, Lord. I pray that you would touch every heart right now, Holy Spirit. Everybody online, everybody being in the venue, every technical crew member, everybody that's been serving. Lord, I first want to come and pray for those who are who are ridden maybe with anxiety, with fear, Lord, with depression. Would you touch them with your grace? Your grace that uh, 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 Titus 2 says gives us the ability to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives now in this present age. Father, those who are maybe confronted with with sin in their life, with the truth of, of, of just needing grace right now, Lord, help them to, to face themselves, to face the blind spots, the ugliness. Maybe some of you are hiding sin from your connect group leader, from your spouse. It's tonight the night that you will come clean. You get somebody and say, I, I cannot even have communion before I confess the sin, before it comes to the light. I pray for that right now in Jesus' name. But people will stop hiding because that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to hide like Adam and Eve. But God says, come, own up, face yourself and receive grace. I came to bring truth and grace. Grace for any sin, forgiveness for the worst possible sin that you think nobody can ever forgive you. God says, I have grace for that. My beloved, my beloved, right now. Or would you minister to people right now? I'm not there, but your spirit is there. You are as close to the person sitting in the front row, the one at the back, the one watching from wherever online. You are as close to everybody right now. Would you minister to them, Jesus, right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your acceptance. Lord, there's this, this one last scripture. Just, I just want to find it quickly and just, and just pray it over you all. It's out of the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews 4, and it says that um, let us come to the throne of grace. Let's just run to the throne of grace right now. Where it says in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a high priest, Jesus, who has gone through the heavens, he's made the way, friends. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, sim- to, to sympathize with our weaknesses. Friends, he knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles. It says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus knows he was tempted. He knows what, you, what you're going through. And then verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, I see people running to your throne of grace to find mercy in their time of need right now. Thank you, Jesus, that as I'm ending off this call now, Lord, would you continue as we're going into a time of communion, that you would minister to people this grace and this mercy that's only found in you. Thank you, Jesus. I bless your people in Jesus' name.